new B.C. budget will be tabled next week. Finance Minister Salida Robinson unveiling the document on Tuesday, April the 20th. At last count, the province's operating deficit for 2020-2021 was on course to reach a record $13 billion. That's according to the Ministry of Finance. All of that, of course, a sizable sum that is going to need to be borrowed. So with that in mind, where does the money come from? Well, Jock Finlayson, Senior Policy Advisor with the B.C. Business Council, took a brief look into that exact question. His opinion piece is entitled, Where Does the Money Come From? And he joins me now on the line. Jock, how are you here today? Great. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, thanks for the time. I think this is a, a good um, you know, exercise to be doing here as we look towards the budget next week. So uh, first thing, uh, when looking back at the last pre-COVID budget, where does the government get the majority of its money? You charted it out. So sort of what are the biggest money makers for the province? Sure. Yeah. Well, the good news is I guess BC's got a pretty diversified mix of revenue streams by BC I mean the provincial government and so they're not they're not overly dependent on just on just one or two um, but the top four sources of revenue coming into the uh, provincial government number one is personal income tax that's about uh, 18 or 19 percent of all revenues that uh, the province collects uh, second which may surprise some people is actually federal money so cash transferred to BC uh, by the government of Canada for various purposes. That's a little over 15% of the province's revenue. Uh, sales tax, the PST, um, g- generates about 13%. And then the fourth one is corporate income tax, which is 9 or nine or 10%. So those are the big four. There's lots of others, but those are the big four that make uh, outsized contributions to the government's revenue. Yeah, and so looking at those four, the the big four that you mentioned, I mean, it, it adds up to 56% of revenues coming from those four sources, those being personal income tax, federal transfers, PST, and the corporate income tax. I mean, it feels like it's probably pretty standard, but I guess, is there any concern that it's a very few places where money is coming from to get the vast majority of funds that the, the province is working with? Um, well, I mean, you know, the more diversified, the better, I would say, when it comes to government revenue. Uh, if you're, the, oddly, the, the government of Canada, which would, would normally be viewed as having a stronger capacity to tax than any individual province, they actually get in a normal year half of federal revenue has been coming just from personal income tax. So the provinces, at least our province, has a somewhat more diversified stream of revenues than the government of Canada. But all of these uh, sources that I talk about in my my column, except the federal cash transfers, um, are quite sensitive to the state of the economy. So economic activity, uh, uh, you know, declines, the province feels the hit, uh, not just on income tax, but also, you know, sales tax, even Crown Corporation profits natural resource royalties uh, and uh, things like the employer health tax and real estate taxes. So the real key for robust revenues for the government of BC is to do what the province can to ensure we have a growing and reasonably healthy economy. It really pays off for the government itself in terms of the buoyancy of revenue. What are the major challenges, I guess, that come now with the fact that we're going through COVID-19 and a lot of the revenue streams have been, you know, interrupted by this pandemic? I mean, is that going to prove to be incredibly challenging, I guess, for the government here in this next fiscal year? 
Yeah, well, we'll get a great update, I think, on that uh, when the Minister of Finance presents her budget next week, because we've been, you know, the the last budget was actually tabled on me, you know, in 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 mid February of last year before COVID mm-hmm. <laughs> arrived. I, I remember being in the budget lockup in a stuffy room with hundreds of people, <laughs> and uh, that was about the last the last time I I was in such an environment. Um, so the world, you know, shifted so dramatically in the in the early months of 2020. Um, and we know that in the spring and through the early summer, I think the government took a big hit on a number of these revenue items falling. Uh, however, the good news is, you know, we've had a pretty decent and sustained economic rebound in B.C., notwithstanding the hiccups that we've been experiencing with COVID-19 in the past month or so. And so, you know, the job market has come back. We've seen employment recover. Uh, retail sales are now running above the pre-pandemic level. Uh, housing markets are on fire uh, in many parts of BC with you know big growth in transactions as well as prices. So my speculation is that there's been quite a strong revenue recovery for the BC government in the past six months, and we'll see the details of that unveiled on uh, uh, on April the 19th. There's still going to be a deficit. Certainly for last year, it might not get to $13 billion. It might be somewhat less than that because of the strong recovery that right. we've seen over the fall. But there will certainly be a large deficit, and I think there will be a pretty sizable one for, for this, this new fiscal year as well, just because of the size of the hit the economy took uh, last spring and summer. Uh, how do you, do you have any idea how BC is doing when compared to other provinces? I know you're with the BC Business Council, so I don't know how much you know attention you're paying to other jurisdictions in Canada. But uh, I'm wondering if BC maybe is on a bit of a better path compared to some other places that yeah. maybe were harder hit too. Yeah, well, it's a good it's a good question, and and the answer is uh, we are. Uh, we've come out of this in a stronger uh, fiscal position, I would say, than almost all other provinces. Certainly, the other large provinces. Um, and we went into it, of course, with a budget surplus that the government was predicting back last February, a very slim one, but it was still mm-hmm. on the positive side. Uh, quite a few other provinces, Alberta and Ontario, notably, were posting large deficits before COVID-19. So the COVID shock has sort of compounded uh, the size of their fiscal shortfalls. In our case, we started off in a better place, and I think we've ended up in a better place as well. Our, our deficit is big in absolute dollars, I'm sure, uh, but as a share of the economy, I believe it will be somewhat smaller than than Alberta, uh, Ontario, and certainly Manitoba and Saskatchewan. So we're, you know, we've come out of it. We've taken a. We, it's been a blow, uh, and and it's 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 done some damage to the BC government's balance sheet, no doubt about that. Uh, but uh, I think the province is reasonably well positioned to get back into a, a sustainable fiscal position, and it's up to the government to chart that path next week. Why is that? so important to individuals, to British Columbians that were in a good spot? I mean, I often, like, I ask this question to people smarter than myself, because sometimes I look at the provincial government's finances and I say, why does this matter to me as an individual? I mean, can you kind of just explain why this is something that should be important to people in our province? Yeah, sure. Well, there's two key reasons. One is, if the government's uh, in, 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 a, in a very weakened fiscal position, then their ability to fund and pay for the services that citizens want uh, comes into question over time. So, if you want decent education and health and social services on a, a reasonably, you know, good transportation system and uh, 
and 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 other uh, services that we rely on the provincial government to provide, uh, you should pay a bit of attention to the strength of their financial position because it really matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want you know we don't want to live in a world where we have to go through you know massive across the board spending restraint and spending cuts. That's tends to be pretty painful. The second reason is if the government's in an unsustainable financial position, it means that taxes are going to go up over time, and and that's not just income tax, but also fees and and uh, and and uh, you know the employer's health tax, you know taxes on business, sales taxes, energy taxes, etc. And individuals directly and indirectly end up paying virtually all of those taxes one way or another. Mm-hmm. So there's two reasons. One, you know, you want a strong government finances mean they can keep spending to provide services, and secondly, a strong financial position reduces the likelihood of future tax hikes. It's a nice, uh, nice way to explain it. I appreciate that. Well, I think that's uh, pretty much all I have for questions. Looking forward to seeing what comes down next Tuesday here, Jock. Anything else uh, you wanted to touch on while I have you? Yeah, I would just make one final comment on COVID nineteen and how it's affected government finances. Uh, in in uh, the way this has played out, the the national government, the Trudeau government, in Ottawa. They have been carrying the vast majority of the fiscal burden for dealing with COVID-19 through all the support programs that they've rolled out for businesses and households and students and uh, and other and other groups that have been affected by COVID. So the, we estimate the federal government has spent an extra $25 billion in BC over the last year to support households, families, and businesses. Um, and the province has spent maybe a third of that. So most of the fiscal burden of COVID has ended up falling on the federal government's balance sheet, which is the way it should be uh, in, a, in a federation like Canada, where the national government does have more fiscal capacity. But one reason why I think BC will, uh, will, will come out of this in a better position than some other provinces is that we've depended pretty heavily on Ottawa to carry the, uh, to carry the water of, uh, of paying for all the extra services and income transfers that have been brought forward with COVID. Jock, thank you so much for this. Really appreciate the time and definitely looking forward to next next Tuesday, but uh, thanks okay. for this. Okay. Keep well. Yeah, you too. That's uh, Jock Finlayson right there, Senior Policy Advisor with the BC Business Council. Again, speaking to his uh, little brief opinion piece where it called, it is called, excuse me, Where Does the Money Come From? The BC Government's Top Revenue Sources. That was put together at the beginning of this month as sort of a precursor as we look ahead to, as I mentioned, next Tuesday when the uh, BC NDP government is set to unveil its 2021-22 budget. was interesting, of course, to remember, um, as Jock had pointed out at some point during our chat there, that the last budget that we saw was actually tabled prior to the COVID-19 pandemic being declared. So this is going to be a bit of a different feel next week. Uh, and we also have, of course, a new finance minister in place because we have, uh, haven't had a budget tabled since the election. So that's why we also had a new throne speech today. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But just the conclusion from Jock's piece, I'll just read this last comment for you because it's a nice way to kind of round things out here. Restoring the economy to health is the best way to boost government revenues going forward. Indeed, fostering economic growth and job creation should be the primary focus of this next provincial budget. The government should steer clear of tax and fee increases for now. If necessary, options for raising additional revenues can be considered once the economy has fully recovered from the epic COVID-19 shock. I think we can all get behind that final statement, right? The government should steer clear of tax and fee increases 
for now. Of course, we don't really want to see them anywhere. <laughs> you know, taxpayers, I'm one of them. I don't want to be seeing those fees go up, but I understand the reality of the situation, and so I expect we will see some of those things increase into the future, but for this particular year, now is not the time. So we'll see what happens once Selena Robinson delivers her first budget as finance minister one week from tomorrow. Now today, like out of that, uh, of course, budget session we got the throne speech and uh for the second time in just over four months the bc government introduced a speech from the throne and for the second time in a little more than four months it's being done under of course the pressure of the pandemic left heaven governor janet austin outlined the province's vision for the next few months and set up the first post-election budget the bc government promising to make child care more affordable hire new long-term care staff expand support for mental health care tackle inequality and discrimination um it also touched on uh, the continuing push to decriminalize simple possession of illicit drugs committed to raising the minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour by this coming june uh promises to get thousands of rental homes built will also expanding $10 a day child care, touching on, on housing and improving affordability overall, adding more inventory into the missing middle housing market. Lots, of course, uh, goals being outlined by Janet Austin here this afternoon. And for the most part, trying to take a bit of a positive approach. That's sort of what the throne speech, right, is always all about. Uh, looking at things in a, in a very positive light. And so that's what we heard here today. Um, We'll see what happens, though, once the budget comes around. So today, the reintroduction of a new session of, parlor, of, uh, of the legislature and uh, talking about what the goals are upcoming. It's very vague. It doesn't really necessarily get into the nitty-gritty of how these goals are going to be achieved, just that these are indeed the targets. And then next week, we'll get more of a detailed look as to how those things will actually be undertaken by this NDP government. It's got its majority, right? Premier John Horgan, he got his, his wish there's a reason we went to the polls last fall, and that was so the NDP could get that majority government, and now it's up to them to figure out how to best utilize that powers that they have been given by the voting public. So uh, I can't, I don't want to say I can't wait for budget session because it's always a lot to go through, and it's complicated, and, and it's a lot to dig through. It's a very significant document, but at the same point in time, it is always a, a fun day to sort of get a little bit of reaction and, and talk to the opposition and see how they're feeling about that side of things and, and see where some of the experts are, are looking to, to see what are the big things within that budget that we all should be paying attention for. So next Tuesday, the date to mark in your calendars, and we'll have probably some wall-to-wall some -wall budget coverage for you here on NL Newsday next Tuesday afternoon.